Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we come to part two of Pastor Jim's series of sermons on prayer, centered on Jesus' teaching on the subject in Matthew chapter 6. We'll finish our look at the Lord's Prayer, recorded in verses 9 through 13. The first part of the prayer addresses God, recognizing His holiness and sovereign hand over His creation. Beginning in verse 11, we begin to see requests. What do you pray for? When do you pray? Is it only when you want something you don't have or want God to remove something that you do have, like a challenging circumstance? How does that idea of prayer differ from the model Jesus provides us here? Are there ways perhaps that we should remodel our prayers? Some of us may need to completely demolish the old way and replace it with this new way. Some of us just need to take prayer more seriously and pray far more often. There are lessons to learn here for every Christian, so we hope you'll join us every day this week. For this day, here is today's piece of the message entitled, Pray Like This, Part 2. I'm sure you've heard of the, the three tenses of salvation. The past tense is that in the past we have been delivered from the penalty of sin. Jesus took upon him the wrath of God for us. So once for all, by the blood of Christ, we are forgiven. In the present tense, because we stand in Christ, we have been delivered from the power of sin. We're no longer enslaved to sin, but we're still quite capable of it. While we still have the flesh, while we're still in the body of this death, we are even prone to sin. And so when we stumble, we confess. Now in the future, there's going to be the the final total deliverance from sin not only from the penalty of sin and not only from the power of sin, will actually be delivered from its presence. But in the meantime, now we have our feet in two worlds at once. We pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done as on earth as it is in heaven. We're part of that kingdom. We've been transferred from the domain of darkness to the, to the kingdom of his beloved son, but we're living on enemy territory. The God of this world is Satan. He hates Jesus. He hates everything Jesus did. He hates everybody that belongs to Jesus. And we have to live with these feet in two worlds at once. So to confess your sin is simply to be honest with God about your frailty and your propensity to it. And, and, and every day as you, as you confess, you, you bask in the grace and the forgiveness in which you stand. One of the classic passages on this is 1 John chapter 1. If we deny our sin, we're liars. The truth is not in us. But look at 1 John 1, 9. It says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, That is the definition, one of the many definitions, of a Christian. A person who denies they have a sin problem, they don't belong to him. 
This verse stands in between ones before and after it that say the opposite. If we are, and it's a present tense, if we are regularly confessing our sins, what's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? Well, everything. But when it comes to sin, the non-Christian dismisses it or diminishes it. The Christian says, no, I understand I am a sinner and I'm constantly confessing my sins. And there's a really cool grammatical thing here. If we confess, that's present tense. If we are in the habit of continually, repeatedly, daily confessing our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. And something you can't put in the English without adding half a sentence to it, the forgive is an aorist tense at a point in time. No matter when I confess, no matter what the sin is, the forgiveness always goes back to the one and only basis for forgiveness, the finished work of of Christ. And so I get cleansed daily, though I stand complete in Him. So prayer for forgiveness is our recognition that there is no other method by which our debt to God can ever be wiped out unless He wipes it out. It's a plea for grace, and it's answered by the one who is, John chapter 1, full of grace and truth, and He is our only hope. Now, the other question that, uh, that, that comes up at this point, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The other question is, it sounds like Jesus is saying, we can't be forgiven unless we forgive. How can that be? Well, I would suggest to you, that it's only in our man-made, hair-splitting, wrangling over theology that that's a problem. Because in the Bible, being forgiven and forgiving others are not two separate issues. The forgiveness of God is such an all-encompassing, radical, transforming, life-changing thing that it's not considered apart from the way that it causes a person who is forgiven to forgive others in turn. Now remember, Jesus preached this, this whole sermon, before He went to the cross. This is one of His ways of showing what that surpassing righteousness is like. The scribes and the Pharisees loved to pass judgment. They loved to condemn. And Jesus said, if you really are forgiven, you wouldn't act like that. You can't be like that if you are forgiven. He was calling, calling people to a quality of life that could be possible only by turning to God and ultimately looking forward to what He was going to do on the cross. And... After the cross, after the resurrection, as the gospel spreads through the world, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, Paul wrote this, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Exactly what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. 
Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or Paul said it again in a parallel passage, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He said, so as those who have been chosen of God, goes all the way back to eternity past, God chose you to be in Christ, holy and beloved because of what He's done for you. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. You've heard me say it umpteen times and I'm not done yet. I'll say it again. Forgiven people become forgiving people. And Jesus has more to say on that in just a few minutes, so stay with Him. What do we know so far? Here's a sample prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What's the sixth and final petition here? Beginning of verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Listen, he knows the world in which you live. He knows who is the God of this age. He knows that the the world is programmed to hate you. So what this means is, Lord, do not permit us, as weak as we are by nature, as much as we are prone to sin, do not allow us to enter into situations in which the natural flow of events would expose us to temptation. But in every case, with temptation all around us, deliver us from the evil in the world. This, prayer is a, this part of the prayer is a, a praying for a safeguard against presuming on God a false sense of security and self-sufficiency that you on your own can be righteous. No, no, no. That's the Pharisee's way. You on your, lo- on your own confess, Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. That's the one who is justified. We know that we will never have arrived spiritually and that we'll never be free from the danger of sin until we're with the Lord. So rightly, lead us not into temptation, but... Deliver us from evil. Martin Luther, in commenting on this, said, We cannot help being exposed to the assaults, but we pray that we may not fall and perish under them. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. And by the way, here's how He prayed for us, among other things, in John chapter 17, verse 15. He says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. In other words, we need to walk by His grace, by the power of His Spirit, and resist evil. That's not that complicated. All right. Our Father who is in heaven, 
Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.